Is film like milk? Yes. It's got culture in it. And it's. Mm, damn it. Leche. <laughs> Whole milk, skim milk, medium milk. I have nipples, Greg. Could you milk Could me? Could you milk me? Hi, and welcome back to Age Like Milk, the podcast where we decide if a film has gone bad in the mind fridge of your mind. I am one of your hosts, Paris Herbert Taylor, and with me on this journey to Los Angeles in a convertible is my good friend, David William Rogers. Hello to you, my friend. Yes, yes. Wigs on, top down. What Let's is go. happening? What's, yeah. what's happening? Are Not you feeling excited to be back for another episode oh always yes i'm always excited to be back you know back in la same with you i believe yes i was in portland for a hot minute but you wouldn't know with the magic of pre-recording i'm always everywhere all at once all at once yeah they made a movie about that david we mm. have another film today. Shocking. It's a film podcast. What is the film we are doing tonight? Today? Film this today, tonight. Nebulous this time that exists in infinitum. In this timeline, which we are currently in, is Tu Wong Fu, Thanks for Everything, Julie Newmar, 1995, directed by Biban Kidron. Great name. Writing <laughs> credits go to Douglas Carter. Bean, this stars Wesley Snipes, Patrick Swayze. John Leguizamo, Stockard Chaney, Blythe Danner, just a lot of people. Jason London from, yeah. uh, you know, he's been in a ton of movies. Uh, Chris, Chris Penn, Penn, I recognize. R.I.P. Yep. Alice Drummond. She's, you've probably seen her in a ton of things. Paul, uh, RuPaul, Julie Newmar herself, who's in mm-hmm. the title. Just a, a lot going and on. And Beth Grant. Naomi Beth Campbell. Grant, um, she's the older, one of the older ladies, not the old, old lady, but uh, if you watch the show Dollface, which I'm a big fan of on Hulu, okay. she plays the cat lady. Um, and she's one of those actors that I feel like I see her in everything. And I'm like, oh, my God, it's that woman again. She's a, yeah, just an all-star I, cast. I got to watch that show. But then also, one of the greatest people to ever touch the silver screen and okay. TVs, Robin Williams. Oh. Yeah. Oh, he's uh, only in it. He's only in it for like a couple of minutes. And but I was geeking out at that that couple minutes that's how you walk onto us onto a scene and light up yeah light up a movie delighted to see him also i need to look up when the birdcage was because the when i watched this film on amazon it also recommend you know how it's like oh you Mm -hmm. watch this movie would you also like to watch this movie and the birdcage was recommended and i was like he's either like practicing his character for the birdcage or the birdcage like influenced this character even though it was brief have you seen that movie david i have not oh we have to do that one on the podcast it's it's yeah it's robin williams in all his glory i adore him (laughs) um but this is a great film and whose turn is it to do the synopsis uh did wait did i do twilight or did you do twilight i have no idea i can do it yeah let me let me jump Jump in. in so this movie is about three drag queens going from New York to LA in a convertible. You've got your Wesley Snipes character, you've got your Patrick Swayze character, you've got your John Leguizamo character. And basically it's a comedy of errors as it always is in in this setup. You know, they're off driving to LA, um, they break down, they get picked up, they end up in a small town, they're stuck there for like two, three days. You know, they open the hearts and minds of the townsfolk and they all learn a little something along the way. So it's funny that we're doing this film, David, because we also did an Australian film called Priscilla, Queen of the Desert. Which came out a year prior. One year prior. Um, It's very interesting, very similar themes in terms of like, you know, 
drag queens going and across the country trip, and you yeah. know geographically size wise australia and america you know similar in in size obviously america has a lot more in the middle as we saw from the films <laughs> but i'm really excited to jump into this movie but we are not alone today no, we have we a guest not. a guest yeah. that you connected with on the twitterverse i believe mm-hmm. um marsha's song welcome to age like milk Thank you. Thank you, Paris. And thank you, David. So great to be here. So great to be here with you. Um, I have your bio on my phone, so I'm going to read a little bit of it. So Masha, you are a screenwriter from Texas. We just established you're in Houston and that there is a thunderstorm currently occurring. So if we hear some rain, we can just imagine that it's happening here. You also have a bunch of dogs dogs behind you. I also am puppy sitting at the moment, so there there may be the occasional bark from my my end. But yes, you're in Texas, and you write grounded sci-fi and drama um, pilots and features, which I'm excited to chat with you about. And your screenwriting journey began last year when you started uh, looking into converting a novel to a miniseries. But this is a dream that you've had for a very long time, if that's right. Um, you're a guitar player. You play piano. Um, your background is in corporate sales. So you and David can <laughs> talk about that. You can bond. You know, you're out here trying to live your dreams while also, you know, afford a roof over your head. Um, and you said that your favorite actor is Christian Bale and your favorite actress is a toss up. Um, so we need to discuss um, but yeah, I'm so happy to have you here. Thanks for joining us. Well, thank you. I'm so excited to be here and ex- excited to talk about this movie that I absolutely adore. <laughs> so, okay, I had never seen this movie before. David, had you seen this movie before? Never seen it, but was aware of it okay. because the movie poster sticks out, obviously. Yes. Um, so I knew, I've known that the three of them have done this movie, had no idea what it was about, you know, drama, comedy, whatever, um, and what it entailed. But yeah, I've seen it twice in the last 24 hours. Yeah, it yeah. is a very rewatchable movie, I think. Um, I want to jump off into it in a minute. But before we do, Marsha, we always like to do a little bit like about our guests. So tell us a little bit about your journey from, you know, more of a corporate job living in Houston to wanting to write for the silver screen and the big screen. Um, so I didn't want to be too lengthy with the bio, but it, um, in I was getting ready to travel overseas, get you know, quit the corporate job and go just live life and whatever. And there's a thunderstorm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Speaking okay. of which, I um, oh, this is back in the day. <laughs> no, it's, it's happening right now. So oh, like I can't hear life. it. To be to be fair, but I, you know, like I said, I wish it was the rain was here in L.A. Yes, yeah, so it's yeah. like that pivotal Hollywood moment, and then um, <laughs> crash bang. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. The lights blink. Um, and I was really just looking to get into a lot of different things. I loved, you know, gone to, to diving and uh, scuba diving and sailing and uh, um, and wanted to just really kind of have my own, you know, gap year as an adult. Um, and about six months before I was leaving, I literally, so what I when I sent the bio, I had a dream 2009. What it was is I, in 2009, literally had this dream over three or four days and it was like this mini series and I never in my life thought about screenwriting and so I, I traveled and met a, a you know an aspiring actor and a couple other people and just you know just getting to know each other and just sharing like it's really weird I have this story that literally came to me never ever thought about screenwriting I always wanted to do music when I grew up you know since I was a little girl and everyone just kept saying write a book write a book and so again I knew nothing about writing a book either other than you know you write Mm -hmm. um 
And so that took fast forward, I, you know, started on and off on and off. And about 2008, I really got serious and just finished writing the story as a novel, because that's all I knew never dawned on me as great as I researched to look into doing a screenplay, because I never really thought of being a, a, a writer for for TV and movies, you know, I, it wasn't and I wasn't thinking of that. It wasn't on my radar. So I wrote the novel and I wasn't really sure what to do. And with that, um, a friend of mine who always wanted to, to write and did some sh- short stories was encouraging me to try some other things and, you know, maybe we'll write together. Um, and then about a year later is when I found screenwriting around the time that I was like, well, this, I really, really see things as a movie and very big picture and my love for music and wanting to do you know film score I would love to um never really put put any effort into that though um is when I found um screenwriting twitter and mm-hmm. like and I found my people and mm-hmm. I said this this makes sense for me and it, so it really was the dream of a miniseries and that's the the feature I'm working on writing right now so a, a couple of things. Um, so you had this dream over a few nights, you said, like consecutive, and it was the same story? Yes. Okay, yes. That's, that's bizarre. Um, I think, Paris, like you have two copies of this, but there's that uh, book, Big Magic. And I do. I have a copy. By... David bought me one for Christmas, and then I came to realize that my <laughs> that partner also had one. And to this day, I still have read neither of them. Well, but I will. It's, yeah, it's good. I'll reread it if you, if you yeah. when you do jump into it. So it's the, the writer who did Eat, Pray, Love, and she talks a lot about like just starting going to do it jump in her and her friend had the exact same dream about a story in brazil and like this mining community and she just kept pushing it off kept pushing it off they talked about it a little bit and they're like whoa i have this same you know book about that and then her friend kept going with it put it out um but it's kind of wild she talks about like things come to you from the universe and you either take it and run with it or otherwise it's going to go find somewhere else to express itself yeah and then the second piece about that is um like our twitter account we have a lot of we follow a lot of writers and paris like last week i think you're recently posting to like the writers community Mm -hmm. so can you both you discuss a little bit about the twitter writers community and you know just your experience with it Yeah, well, similar to me, well, similar to you, Marsha, I really found Twitter, writer Twitter, you know, during the pandemic, to be honest, when I was like, we were all very isolated. It is an amazing community, I think, not only for writers, but also for reps. And, you know, Twitter is kind of a a pool that anyone can dive into. And so you can really wade in and, you know, find interesting discussions. I've certainly learned a lot about representation. I've you know, tracked people who I'm excited about and to see them win or to see them, you know, part of, I'm sure you know this too, Marsha, like part of being a creative is like, sometimes you win, sometimes you don't win. And um, yeah, I find it really interesting. I I think Twitter can be a really negative place sometimes, but it can also be a really positive place. I don't know what your experience has been like, Marsha. Oh, for the, for the most part, it was, um, it's been positive and, you know, we, we have the issues as well. Um, but I also have learned to, um, when I sense there, there's some rough waters, you know, limit the interaction. Um, I'm very careful with a lot of the buzzwords. Um, the trending topics. So that's another thing. Um, um, it, interesting enough, I really uh, don't put as much emphasis on social media as I should, just because mm-hmm. I do like privacy. So yeah, it, it, there are some negative um, moments, but for the most part, it's been really, really great. And I think um, people just have to know it's, 
it, you know, it's a little about driving like driving down the freeway. Everyone's mm-hmm. there. They don't have a right to go into your lane, but just be cautious. You have to be cautious around the people around you. So, That's you such know, a good analogy. <laughs> mm-hmm. so I'm just a little more, I would say cautious, but um, I know I agree with you, Paris. I'm so excited. Um, it really opened up a lot, a lot of um, avenues. And I think it's two ways. It's, it's not only um, networking and meeting people, but it's different, different things. Uh, it's a, it's a way of showcasing your, you know, your skills and your personality without throwing yourself out there and being, you know, demanding and cheesy. Like if somebody wants to see what I'm up to, they can come and see what I post or, you know, what profile's like. I'm not in your face, you know, knocking on the door, sending you 10 emails like that. So I, I, it's a little bit like the commercials, you know, (laughs) it's there and you can represent yourself however you you want. want. It's so funny. Yesterday I was out of drinks and somebody said, I really love what you're doing with your Twitter, um, vibe and I was like okay I'm first of all I'm not going for a vibe like I am not smart enough to cultivate any kind of vibe you know I'm we have friends David and I who are like social media gurus and and they are very like targeted and you know that's their job I you know I'm very fortunate to wear both an executive hat and also an emerging writer's hat and so like I just kind of share the stuff that I find and I just think it's really funny that people like read that and go like oh she's so helpful yeah like, but I, I feel like you are your Twitter is just genuine with who you are yeah exactly it's uh they know you they like you they're gonna like your Twitter because I just think it's funny that someone was like I really love what you're like putting out there like as if I had like <laughs> sat down at the start of the month and gone like okay I'm gonna tweet you know five <laughs> helpful things and then one joke <laughs> yeah <laughs> no I have to say Paris I really appreciate when you, you when um when you jump in and, and when you post because you know it's no BS it's straightforward you're you're not you're not coming rough on the edges you're just being practical and and saying like it is and it cuts through a lot of the noise I I really appreciate that so so I do think you know like Dave and I both live in this town LA is amazing in some ways and our industry is amazing it's you know it's the city of gold it's the golden path that leads you to the magical you know wizarding world and on the other side it's like people are also just telling you the things that they think you want to hear or they're like trying to pretend to be something that they're not and you know, at the end of the day, I have this conversation with people that work in our business and I'm like, you know, when people freak out about something or, you know, it seems like the sky is falling, it's like, we are not curing cancer. You know, we are not, we actually have like cool, you know, dreams and jobs. And yeah, it's, thank you for saying that. It's very sweet. I do try to be really honest and also just like kind because there are a lot of unkind people in our business as I'm sure you both know oh yes and, and David yeah we were talking a little bit I didn't get a chance because uh, Paris jumped in uh, I lived in LA for 10 years yeah. still have very good friends oh, there yeah, um, do know people who are associated with the industry um, and funny thing is when I lived in LA I worked for an ad agency <laughs> and um, I'm not gonna say who or what because <laughs> Sean's name the guilty no, no names no um, but my boss was married to somebody who dealt with the the, the studio heads so I I got to understand the industry you know um, there and just over the years have known people who've been affiliated so and working on some big projects so never not too naive to how the industry works but I I I think that's kind of the the glamour of it too and the lure (laughs) we we all just want to be a part of it (laughs) I think I mean you know David's an actor I'm trying to write you're trying to write like you know there is something about storytelling that is obviously drawing all of us and just being able to 
and to speak our truths on screen or in a podcast or however i think that's why you know we're all attracted to the business but yeah there is a lot of um fluff and candy you know around well and david you've been sales like me yes there there is a lot in every industry you guys have great skills to be honest to be coming into this industry sale i feel like whether you're selling yourself or selling a script or whatever, like there is, you guys just have such a great skill set. Yeah. Like right now I'm putting that to use. Um, so every day I'm just, every day, like I have this list, I just email agents and managers every day until, until I get one. Right. And when I started in sales, it was always how many no's before you get a yes, basically. Mm. And I feel like this getting an agent, getting representation is a lot harder than walking in cold calling into Making a business, a but it's the same thing, right? Um, it's just, there's going to be someone that is looking for someone on their roster, handsome, bald, biracial, <laughs> well, very talented. Well, that's what I, I was going to ask and you since you guys are in them, sales. You know? Like, so, I mean, it's, it's part like follow through. It's obviously part reaching out to people. And then it's also like making sure that you have the best product, right? Like how do mm. you feel that sales kind of intersects with like what you're doing on a creative level? I'm curious. Marcia, you want to go first? Sure. So for me, um, I've, there's two different approaches. So when you are cold calling, you know, you have no relationship with anybody whatsoever. And it literally is just starting from, you know, A to Z. That's very different from when you get a referral and or you have an existing relationship with somebody, whether from that industry, you know, it's been a customer before or, or from another, uh, from another you know, avenue of your life. And what it always goes back to, it's the same thing. It's relationships. I, um, I think sales gets thing. a bad rap because everyone's like, we're not selling, we're not selling. And the essence of sales is storytelling. Mm. You're saying, I have something important to share with you. That is how, that's how stories got passed on down the line because mm -hmm. somebody had a message that they felt people needed to hear you know, so everybody is always selling. And so whether you're querying for reps or even a contest, you're selling yourself and your script. So I kind of laugh at the whole, I'm not trying to sell, you are trying to sell. You're trying to say that you have an important story. And um, so it's a little different when you are, when you get to the, the relationship part where it's not just here's a product, this is what you need, you know, when it's when it's not cold like that, and you have a relationship, it's it kind of goes two ways. If there's a real trust factor, sometimes it's just not going to work. You know, there's business partners, and so, and there's a point where you may have a great relationship with one, and you may have a great relationship with the other. But in the end of the day, the partner is going to win on the end because of something because of their spouse or because of family. Right. So mm -hmm. that happens a lot. And so what you're hoping is that your relationship is that you have a transparent enough relationship that that like you know hey it's not you we can't do this at the moment or what it's going to take to work because there are I've had people who've become like colleagues and friends that were my customers over the years and there are times where I just couldn't do anything for them it just wasn't the time you know, or it yeah. just wasn't, they went in a different direction, but they didn't close the door. And that's what I always want. I just don't want the door closed to me, for the future. you know, for the, the future. And that's yeah. the same thing when you're, when you're writing or showing somebody a script or like me acting, if I was still going to audition, yeah. Hey, no, like you are a solid actor, but you are just wrong for this part. This wasn't your part to begin with. You know what I mean? Somebody else got it because we're they going just... with Wesley Snipes. Exactly. <laughs> as you should, right? He's <laughs> got a great butt in this, in this movie, but that's, and that's the kind of thing it's, they all look I, great. if I had to say one thing, it's, it's definitely relationship. And we talk about that a lot on this podcast, building with people and being genuine, authentic, 
and not, hey, I need this from you. I want this from you. Transactional, it's, which it's, I'm yeah. sure like which it, it's it's yeah. it is. But at the same time, it's like, hey, you know, we, we can still build outside of of this. Right. Like yeah. I actually I sell something that these companies actually need to actually do their job. So it's transitioned for me to like they're kind of coming to me now, too, you know, yeah, because um, they need I th- I think that's everything, though. You know, I think people can sniff out genuineness, if that's a word. Mm-hmm. You know, people can sniff out authenticity. And it's like, you know, you guys work in a in your day jobs in something where it's like, okay, I have something and somebody's going to need it. So I'm not tricking you into buying it. I'm just like... Yeah, but then yeah. I see I'm filtering through because I'm trying to find actors that have a few lines. And then I'm trying to find them on IMDb Pro, find their management, and then I'm emailing mm-hmm. those people, right? So... With that, I see all of the all these platforms, all of these shows, and I'm like, I know I can do that. I know I can do this. I know I can do that. I know I could carry this episode. You know what I mean? And it's getting to the point where like, hey, once these people do know me a little bit, and it's like, yeah, yeah I do have what you need for this episode. Like, let's bring David in for or, it. For, exactly. Or, or for yeah. the series. Let me come or, in. Or, let's bring him in and read for this. Well, for me and Masha, it's like, okay, yeah, I'll read this script. You know, okay, yeah, let's take a meeting. And that's... I hear what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, we are getting into the fucking podcast yeah, yeah. now. So let's talk about <laughs> Noxima, Lady Vita, Miss Vita, mm-hmm. and uh, Chi-Chi. So Chi-Chi, this film. So we established that David and I hadn't seen it. Masha, when was the first time that you saw the film? I actually saw it in the theater. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's why. And I remember because, of course, we all loved, you know, Patrick Swayze. I mean, who didn't? Um, And, of course, back in that day, you know, we didn't have the Internet and all this information. IMDb didn't exist back then. So all we knew was just whatever the trailers were, whatever is on, like, you know, ETV or whatnot. Yeah. So seeing that and I remember... um, John Ligziama was like, okay, I think I'd seen him a couple things. So his name wasn't completely foreign, you know, but it was definitely, you know, Swayze Wesley and Snipes. Snipes and Swayze were. Oh my gosh, they were. And, and we loved it, you know, so as, you know, <laughs> young girls were like, it, it was just hilarious to see it's these. A, it's a very funny movie in general. I will say it's very touching, which I liked because mm. immediately, I'm not going to lie to you guys. You know, I try to go into every movie with an open mind. I see the cover art, you know, the the poster. I see the name of the film and I'm like, this is going to be so bad. We're going to have so many things to talk about. And I personally was very pleasantly surprised. David, was that also your reaction? Same. And um, yeah, because I had no idea. But this is like feel good. A lot of the stuff I read about was like, this is like basically a comedy right? Like a feel good movie. And some background on this, like some of the top 10 grossing movies in 94, the year before that, Lion King, Forrest Gump, True Lies, all those did really well in the theaters. And I read this story about the executive who found this movie. He's he's from the gay community. He's been out since like the late 80s. And he thought there's no way as an executive, he's, he never gotten the script you know, greenlit before he's like that this is going to get pushed through. So he took it to his people and they, they loved it. They had a couple other people read it. Chi Chi's character was actually written for John Leguizamo. And then when they brought it to Wesley Snipes, he said immediately, yes. And then Patrick Swayze had to audition for it. I believe he dressed up like a woman (laughs) and walked around with the director maybe in town. Yeah. I saw in the, um, in the like, did you know on IMDb that he actually like, cinched the part by doing like a 30 minute improvised monologue um 
talking about being bullied as a child in maybe drag. Interesting. So. Yeah. So I just think it was cool how, um, and this did well in the theaters. Yeah. So I, I just thought it was a cool story that this executive who, I, I believe he, they let him go a few years later because there was management change. Standard. And Classic he, in our he, he, he tried a little bit here and there, but he ended up being an English teacher um, oh. after the fact. But yeah, just he was just super happy that this was made uh, coming from that community. This is yeah. the height of like the AIDS pandemic. Right. Well, that's and what I was going to say as well. I like that they didn't really they go mention, into the AIDS. Yeah, that's what he was saying. They don't mention yeah. it at all. It's just three human beings having an adventure and it's feel good. And I love how they, they touch the hearts of everybody they come in contact with, except for maybe Chris. <laughs> 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 but, yeah. And you know that Matt Dillon was one of the, the three at the end because they weren't even thinking of Swayze. So Matt Dillon, all the guys, if you read, they went into the auditions. I mean, these guys went all out. Oh, for it? So, yeah, there were like some, yeah. someone like brought press on nails. I mean, because it was just such a fun time. I think it was just one of those moments that, you know, the actors were just like, that would just be so fun to do something completely off the wall, you know, bonkers, you know? Yeah. And so it was great for for this uh, studio to make this movie too, right? Um, Probably at that time. And like Paris was saying, not even touch on the fact of some of the the things that that community was going through. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and it was at, at the um, the very end, it was Steven Spielberg, actually, that got a hold of the script and oh, loved okay. it. And he brought it to uh, Robin Williams. But he had ju- Robin Williams just finished Mrs. Doubtfire. And he said oh, he so was he's like, I don't need to be doing he, another like drag. He also well, said no, he, he didn't want to do too, the lead. So that's yeah, why Robin Williams, even though he's hairy. in it. Yeah, his um, he's not even <laughs> I didn't even notice this. He's not given an official credit because he said he didn't want to take away from the the main ones he just wanted a small role just a good dude so, yeah did you guys yeah. notice that naomi campbell yes in the film? Mm-hmm. yeah she's like i just want to be as pretty as you and then Noxima. they're like oh it's okay it's darling she's like <laughs> oh that was rupaul yes. right rupaul said uh, oh my god yes yeah. that's what we love that's what i loved it was just so fun and it touched on a lot of different sensitive topics but it never went way over the top and you know there's a point where you just kind of you even forget it's not even about the drag it was about three people you know and just different and and the and the writer he um it it was originally supposed to be a play and he was really just touching about the nightlife you know the 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 drag shows that's really what was intended to be you know I think it was just more of their personas and really about I think you know their making them people you know how it was so using that contest the the national contest in Hollywood Mm -hmm. for that so yeah I and I I think if it kept going back and forth, then what I really appreciated was it wasn't, yes, it was that whole overtone of the drags. But again, I appreciated that it was just a lot of things that a lot of us can deal with as as people, you know, just acceptance, um, challenges, you know, obstacles and kind of poking fun of different issues, you know, and making them making them really human. So it wasn't just about this and this movie's gonna be funny with with three women, two guys and a woman, three dudes, uh, three teddy bears that can talk. You know what I mean? It's they're starting somewhere, and they're going through going on an adventure across country. Things happen. They touch the lives of a small town. Uh, get them, you know, to think about life a little more. And I have a I just serious like practical you- question. John Leguizamo had one plastic bag with him. 
Where were these fabulous outfits coming from? Where the fuck were they? In the trunk? Oh, honey. <laughs> there were so many wigs, so many fantastic outfits. And all the scarves. Is it like a Harry Potter bag where you just keep reaching your hand in and there's just more and more space? I just kept thinking. And like they redo the entire room so it's all glittery. Like where is this fabric coming from? What the fuck? Magical drag queen. Yeah. That's drag the beauty of Hollywood. Magic. You know? <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's, let's talk a little bit about there are some serious issues in the film. Specifically, I'll just name a few, domestic abuse, gang rape, and obviously homophobia, which we're kind of chatting about, but then also police brutality. There are some serious themes mixed in with the comedy. And and there's some language. Uh, They they joke a lot about John And they touch on like the stereotypes and racism and, and, Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, yeah. So, yeah. And that, that's what was interesting. It's like, it's, they bring it up and they hit it head on Mm. Um, and they don't, it's funny, but they it's not like they just excuse it, you know. It doesn't become a joke. Totally. Yeah, like that. Uh, Wesley Snipes grabs like, that guy's junk for like, <laughs> being disrespectful. That was a scary the, moment. So basically, Chris in the Penn film, Chi Chi, yeah, goes for a little walk, and yeah. she kind of gets surrounded by these like terrible, you know, country Young youths. Yes. Yeah, and uh, it's scary for a second. Yeah. It's like you know, I think as a woman, I was like, oh fuck, you know, I could just see this going sideways like we've all been in situations exactly and I don't know if that was just really really intended to be that way to really make them also show that vulnerable side you know Mm. because as drags they are trying to embody a lot of them do feel more feminine not you know some may not but some do and so it was I remember yeah you see that and yeah one after another they they come out you just know what's going to happen that really was a a tense moment and the the police officer where he kind of you know, says, I just want some sugar, you know, that was and, fucked up. Oh, and yeah. reaches under the, oh, he grabs, yeah. grabs his junk, yeah. And, mm-hmm. then, he, and then he gets knocked out, yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, yeah, they hit on some really hardcore mm-hmm. issues that we still deal with, you know, all the yeah. time. But it's funny that the, you kind of have that and the balance of, like, you know, uh, these fabulous costumes and the dance moves and the upbeat music and... Well, yeah, you also had the husband beating up. Beating uh, the shit out Virgil- of Stuckard yeah. Channing. Uh, Stuckard oh Channing, my gosh, yeah. yeah. And then uh, Patrick Swayze has to get busy with, with that guy. And I didn't kind of know where that relationship, there's two things for me that I mm-hmm. was kind of like questioning. So there's that part where they see each other at the end and they're smiling at each other after Stockard tells off Chris Penn, right? And the guy's smiling at her. He's She's kind of giving her a li- him a little smile too. And then mm-hmm. he drives off in his truck. I was like, just tell this dude you're done with him. Tell him not to, to come back ever. And that's, then that's what I read this article, and it was like we don't really get a closure. Like what they kind of he just beat the shit out of you for yeah. years. He has children with you. It's his house. He has a business in the town, and he kind of smirks and gets in the car. Like what the fuck does that yeah, mean? What happened there? And then Chris Penn, he's in the bar, and he's like, every time you get a little smell of the musk. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, okay, so is he starting to like come I out? I think he was closeted. Yeah, yes, and then, yeah, but they didn't. At the end, they didn't really give him no. that. Like I just, which is fine, I guess, because we're talking about it now, so it it, it proved, like kind of made a point. But I thought it was a great direction, and he's a fan. He was a fantastic a- actor, rest in yeah. peace. But I thought he did great, like playing those kind of 
playing that role basically totally being, yeah being but then like also like stuff. another thing i saw online was like those youths so noxima played by wesley slipes just grabs his junk and it's like when you see a lady you say good afternoon and then like the next scene they're like totally reformed like slick back hair he takes we'll his hat up. off asks to dance yeah we'll little... stand up to this police officer that also gives up pretty easily for these people that he's been <laughs> using taxpayer money to chase across the country but I no love worries the drawing <laughs> that he had <laughs> exactly exactly oh no that was that was really funny oh my goodness well and, and then the reality too is like you just see wesley snipes and oh, those youth were sm- small <laughs> compared to him like you know <laughs> shit and and also patrick swayze he's pretty tall so yeah. exactly yeah. exactly be taking shit from nobody especially no. heels. i thought he was With gonna roadhouse rings i thought he was gonna roadhouse somebody and then I thought uh, I was geeking out with Wesley Snipes when he caught the dribble, shook that <laughs> shook that girl on the basketball team that woman. Oh yeah! And he just lays it up, and he goes. Oh, and he goes, oh yeah! I did the like, kick because he was, was like, in white man he, can't jump. I was like, how did he know to uh, pack a basketball outfit again? I was hung up on the practicalities of like, where are these outfits coming? <laughs> it from? was a cheerleader <laughs> outfit. <laughs> okay, sorry, I thought it was basketball. Um, was yeah, skirt, I mean, I it's yeah. interesting. I mean, it's it's a, it, it could have gone badly. This film, I think, it could have gone. You know, David and I always talk on the podcast about like you know transgender actors playing transgender characters, and like you know, I think. For me, knowing that this was filmed in the ni- in 1995, I actually saw an interview with Patrick Swayze talking about why he did the film, and and I think it's incredible that you know arguably one of the biggest heartthrobs of the 90s and one of the biggest action stars of the 90s, which was Wesley, you know they really jumped into this movie to like bring it. T- I don't know if people would have paid attention to it the same way if it had just been you know, a, a lesser known actor. So I, I have to give them props for the casting on this. Oh, yeah, yeah definitely. And I think they, I saw that in some articles too, that a lot of the men that did audition um, that were called in, they really want to do it to support the women in their lives. And it's not things that you hear now, you know, and ironically, it was Patrick Swayze's mother that wasn't too keen on it, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. but, um, just but like yeah, no, they just, and oh, his wife, I love how his wife was like, just really supportive. She was there on set, you know, and I saw an article where he's like, you're, you, you know, you're, you're um, not losing me. You're gaining a girlfriend. <laughs> I love that he said that. So today, and we've talked about this a few times, Paris, different movies, Priscilla, do they cast this with? essentially three straight men if they made this movie today i don't think they would maybe i don't think so i think i think there are people you know in the lgbtqi community that you know do know drag culture and it's you know or are a part of it i mean look at Ru- look at what rupaul has done for drag culture it's incredible um, yes you know amazing amazing and i think there are, is enough talent that we could well it's it's interesting I, th- I think it is interesting, but also I will say to give Patrick and Wesley and John credit for this film, they, I saw in this interview with Patrick, he was saying that like when he tried to do a scene kind of funny and campy, it wouldn't work. The takes would not work. And actually the set wasn't that fun because they were taking it very, very seriously. You know, they were really embodying like, what does it mean to live as a person in the skin? And David, you and I have this conversation all the time about like, that is really the actor's job is to like, dive into someone's world and understand them so 
I don't know if it would be made today the same way, but I think for the 90s, I have to give it props, to be honest. (laughs) Well, and it was around the time, you know, Sex and the City came out. Mm -hmm. There was, you know, a lot of that um, just being open and being able to talk about the things um, Mm -hmm. a little more, you know, boldly, um, a little more in your face, you know, but you weren't, you know, beating people over the head with it. So I, I liked it. And I, and I think it goes back to just making them, you know, see the human side, you know, human side of their people, you know, deep down it and it doesn't matter what, um, I, I, you know, and it's kind of sad because I, what I love about, you know, the whole thing about storytelling in Hollywood is to transform, you know, Mm. and I, sometimes I feel like we go a little over the top with sometimes casting like you know but you want to be sensitive but at the same time it is costing yeah but it's but you do want to see someone be able to stretch you know beyond that so I really love to that's what I think what made it even more iconic because you had three actors you never ever would have thought and there were people even men were like I almost forgot you know almost forgot who they were I forgot, yeah. like, you know, yeah. Patrick was they... just the character of Miss Vita. And like, mm-hmm. yeah, it was, it was honestly actor. great performances. I am shocked that I have never even really heard of this film before because, and I'm shocked it does isn't more of a cult classic or maybe it is. And I'm just, I dumb. think it is. It, yeah. it is actually. And I was surprised because I was checking, um, you know, about a few weeks ago just to see the reviews. I'll, I'll check. I check YouTube a lot, like just in IMDb, just to see what people are saying and how recent they are. And people, mm. I mean, it's a cult classic people love. And then it's not just the LGBTQ um, community. I mean, it's just a fun movie. It's, it's kind of like it's the Ferristabulous. Yes, exactly. It has a little bit of everything. It's lighthearted, but it does, you know, it has enough substance in there where it's not overly you know overly cheesy overly you know to the top and, and, and some of that the showed, you know they're, they're and i love human. the music it was just yeah. the music was <laughs> they're they're human and they showed that each individual one made a relationship with people in that town right wesley Naxima had the well older lady yeah the little lady talk, who was yeah, all talk, the hollywood he got her to that talk. she had yes yeah and then um, the interracial couple too. Yep, uh, I love yeah, that, that was I too afraid to make a move before that. It was Blythe yeah. is amazing. I I always Blythe love her. Danner. Yeah, Blythe Danner. Yeah, yeah, she's I, incredible. I, yeah. I, oh, yeah, I was like, was... oh, she's in this. Yeah. This this movie was just like so crazy. Like who was in it? Like I said, I'm a massive Beth Grant fan. Just think she's really talented. Um, I did want to ask you guys: Do you think that Bobby Lee and Bobby Ray? you know, ended up getting married and staying in the town? Or do you think she, like, dreamt bigger and, like, left? I want to say she dreamt bigger. I want to... He was a sweet kid, though. He was. I think, you know, I... uh, I don't know. What I wish for is I'm hoping that, you know, um, you know, mom and daughter have bigger dreams and then, you know, Bobby Ray's empowered to do something else. And maybe, you know, I mean, and Bobby Lee and maybe Bobby Ray, you know, grows up. I don't know, but I would like to see them evolve a little bit more, you know, at least have experienced life outside of the town. I, yeah. and, what I think, ha- and what happens to the town? Do you think it just like had this new vibrancy? Did people move there? So. It's a very, I calling think, it a town is pretty generous. I think to it fair. took off. I think it took off. They the made the new cafe. Season? But yeah, I I think that Bobby, Red and Wild. She, it was Bobby Lee, right? She was the Bobby Lee, was, and then at the end, she was like, "I'm actually Roberta." I think yeah. Bobby Lee slash Roberta lived by the four tenets: make good thoughts be your sword and shield, ignore adversity, abide by the rules of love, and larger than life, it's just the right size. You That's know, 
Yeah, and I, I feel like she's out there getting it. <laughs> how did <laughs> how did Chi Chi win Miss Drag Queen when she wasn't even a they winner? They snuck her in the contest. I thought the same thing, but I, you can't deny Chi Chi when she beat her. So. It, it, it was one of those full circles. It was the one who just really, really wanted to win, you know. And so, yeah, I, I, I was hoping that they did a little bit of the contest, you know, at, at, at the end to show at least, treat. yeah, like treat. at least make intentional, like that, that one moment had the perfect gown or the perfect walk. Just that one little thing that I yeah. would have loved to see that, you know, and a little yeah. shout out to the town watching. That would have been great. Yeah. yeah. I love drag queens i hope i'm allowed to say that i think drag culture is <laughs> awesome i'm a big fan of rupaul um although i well, another thing that was kind of confronting i wrote this down i was like is rupaul wearing a confederate flag <laughs> i thought the same thing was. I, was like, I was like oh okay okay i feel like i mean is the confederate flag as bad as a swat sticker no technically but david you thought <laughs> no, I was waiting you free to finish. I would say no, but to some people, yeah, yes, because if they experienced, if they experienced that, you know that uh, I think the lady that was the first one of the first black people to go to school in the South is still alive. She's like in her late sixties or seventies. Yeah. So yeah, to to experience that hate firsthand and seeing all these Confederate flags, that might to some like it would person be weird that might to be see a drag just queen as bad a swat sticker dress. As a swat right, like that'd be fucked up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so Especially why is a, it a weird black, to see a Confederate flag? But then there's also I've I've been to Florida multiple times and I've seen uh black dudes with Confederate flag tattoos because oh they rep just because they're from the South, right? Uh, and they're passionate about being from the South. So yeah. there was more of an accept. Well, I would say acceptance, meaning I, I, I just remember there were times where not every little symbol was taken, like you could get past it, you know, right. like, okay, that was here. And it's, it doesn't mean that what happened was okay. I just remember it like, wasn't that over hypersensitive, you know? Um, yeah. Like, I had dudes yeah. in high school that had had them on their trucks and yeah. they, didn't, they didn't live on a farm and they were not in the South. So it's like, what are you talking yeah. about? But then to your point, I felt like some of the jokes about Chi Chi's character, mm. some were like, Ooh, and then some were, some just yeah. like flew over me. Like they were just giving each other shit between kind of friends. Did you guys feel like that? Or it, it was, yeah, they used, they I really tackled. Yeah. It, I found a, I found a couple of, of them, but then between them, there was a couple parts where they were giving each other shit back and forth, and it just happened to be something about someone's background, and I didn't feel like it was it over was the top. It was just exactly, and they were working it out basically. Well, and they're from New York too, you know, and I and I think that you know people forget, you know, New York is a lot more in your face, confronting, um, you know, and a little it's, rough and tumble, little exactly, and yeah. these, and then you realize they're they're all dealing with acceptance, so they're they are throwing it. Is it very um, not PC? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, for us now, <laughs> but it kind of shows you. I you know they just dished it all out there, and that's a good point. Um, yeah, like they were all talking about each other's you know stereotypes and color and background, and then remember when they were even before that when they were um, getting ready to go and um, talking about how they're going to get there. And, you know, Robin Williams, you know, his character about, okay, how you guys want to go in the bus? And you saw John <laughs> Jacob Jingerheimer Like, no, I'm <laughs> not going to put yeah. me on the bus again, you know, <laughs> kind of thing. So they really touched upon a lot of things, but they did it in a way that you knew it was sensitive, you know, yeah. but 
Well, they were dealing with a lot, right? Like yeah. they were not only dealing with racism, but they're also gay men, you know, drag queens. So yes. there's a lot of things that they had to to fight against. Yes. So. And misogyny. Yeah. And with the, the misogyny. So, it, you know, um, yeah, they, they encountered a lot of that, tackled a lot in that movie. So, totally. which I appreciate it. Yeah. A uh, couple fun facts for you guys about the film, because I love to go to IMDb and Ooh. find out some trivia. Yes, yes. So... Wong Fu or Fui, as his friends called him, was actually the head bartender of at the China Bowl restaurant um, in New York. So that's cute. The walls were covered with headshots of famous actors and actresses who had stopped by the place. So that's a nice little nod to something real. Another fun fact was that Viggo Mortensen auditioned for the role of Vida, uh, the Patrick Swayze character. That would have been interesting. Because think... he would have done back. Wow. Oh, no, Viggo. But okay. Yeah, yeah, for, for really me, after seeing this film, I feel like everybody was like just so perfectly cast. So I just cannot yeah. imagine anyone else. But shout out to Vigo. Both of you, I recommend if you got some time this week, watch 13 Lives on Ooh. Amazon Prime. Because okay. okay. it is fantastic about those uh, soccer player boys that got stuck in the uh, cave oh, in, in the Thailand. Cave. Oh, yeah. The, yeah. I've, seen some crit- I've seen some criticism about it. I do want to watch it before no, I it is, make my I decisions. thought it was fantastic. Yeah, I, okay, but, that's great. Yeah, yeah I remember that story. Know. Thank you. Yeah, because yeah, I wanted to see great. that. Snydersville, which I did laugh because I was like, the Schneider cut? Because I always say that every cut. time. <laughs> I was in the airport the other day, and they were like paging somebody like, Gregory Schneider. And Scott and I just looked at each other and went, the Schneider kit because we're I messaged you that last weekend when I was drunk was that that voice memo I sent you oh yeah as well that's right the Schneider (laughs) verse is just like never going away it's just a joke that will live forever but apparently Schneidersville um, was actually the tiny town of Loma Nebraska about 30 miles from Lincoln so it was a real town it kind of at one point I was like is this a set because you know they've got these like old and timey western type sets places but no, a real, real place. During negotiations with Julie Newmar for the use of her name in the title, the backup plan in the event that producers could not secure those rights was to pr- replace her with Carol Lindley. So it would have been to Wong Fu, thanks for everything, Carol Lindley. Which doesn't roll. I mean, it rolls off the tongue as well, I guess. Yeah, that's interesting though. It's like, hey, do you want this movie to have your name in it and you yeah. be at the end or not? <laughs> and you're kind of like an inspiration for these characters. Yeah. Is that cool? I'd be so flattered personally. Yeah. I know. Well, yeah. So those were some fun facts, guys. I feel like, you know, we chatted a lot. There's a lot of things to cover in this movie. It's very sweet. It's um, It's got a good heart, I would say. And at the end of the day, it's a tale of friendship and, you know, big towns versus small towns and acceptance and love and gender. So it's a lot. That's a lot put into 148 minutes, really. Mm-hmm. It was a lot. And, it, you know, I think about hope, too, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, they had dreams and... And, uh, you know, they got to, they did get to L.A. And, of course, Julie, they see Julie Newmar. Yay. (laughs) You know, so, yeah. I loved it. Well, this is the part of the podcast where we have to give a shout out to someone from the cast or crew. I have a feeling we all might have gone for the same person. But I will allow our guest, Marsha, to go first. And just in case David and I need to pivot. Is there someone from the cast or crew that you would like to say thank you for your contribution to the film? Hands down, Marlene Stewart. She was the costume designer. There it is. I was going to say the the same same. exact one. I I want a different route. (laughs) <laughs> yes it, it totally totally made it and not to take away from anyone's no, you know acting amazing. but yeah just amazing just was the chef's kiss on top such <laughs> a it. chef's kiss yes. David you didn't you didn't have Marlene I did not 
You thought maybe we were all going to do it, so you were like, I No, I read this story um, okay. about <laughs> Mitchell Cohn, who was the executive who found this script for Amblin and mm-hmm. got it move he got this thing moving got some legs under it and it got made and I just thought it was a fantastic story his background uh, the articles in this uh, online publication called the advocate if you want to check it out but just a great story and it shows that there's a lot of people behind the scenes to make these movies get made and get in play. Paris does that. Listen, executives, we and, are the yeah. unsung heroes. No, so I'm, I'm so I'm, <laughs> totally. well, get, I'm singing right now. So Mitchell Cohn, he, he it didn't work out after Amblin, and but then he went to become an English teacher. Still lives in West Hollywood, and hopefully Paris and I can run into you one day and talk about this movie. Maybe give even you a little handshake. On. Maybe exactly. we track you down, see if you want to come on the podcast. Yeah, oh, that'd exactly. be great. Great. You so. know what? Because it always, it, it takes someone's vision, you know? Oh, yeah. Someone has to believe in it and mm-hmm. bump it up the chain mm-hmm. and talk about it and get people excited and send and it to And he did agents. get a producer credit on this. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, so thank you, Mitchell Cohn. We see thank you and we appreciate you. And can, and can we also do just to, to, to the, the two that are no longer with us, RIP Patrick Swayze and Robin Williams. And so Chris that's Penn. another reason why great and Chris Penn. Penn. And Chris yeah. Penn. Oh, yes. Chris Penn. Yes, so. definitely. Three beautiful souls. Yes. Um, well, I went for someone in the makeup department because I thought the makeup was incredible in this. Oh. Uh, so I went for J. Roy Helland, who was makeup and hair, which is special to be able to do both. If you go to his IMDb page, let me try that again. If you go to his IMDb page, he is holding an Oscar. He has 71 credits in the makeup department. The most recent thing he did was Let Them All Talk. He was the hairstylist and makeup artist to Miss Meryl Streep. So he has been around and he has friends in high places but he also worked on the new little women from 2019 he worked on big little lies he worked on mamma mia here we go again i mean florence foster jenkins which was a 2016 movie with meryl streep which was very fun so it feels like he's kind of on meryl's team because all these things like august osage county he was the hair designer and makeup designer i know from working with you know uh, prolific celebrities like sometimes you just have these people and you just trust them and they come with you on every project. And so get to I just know you a little bit. J. Roy mm-hmm. Helland, we see oh. you and we appreciate you. We yes, see he did a phenomenal you. job. Wow. That, that's yeah. another thing. Love that. Mm-hmm. Love that. Well, right. my friends, um, it's almost the time where we decide if this film has aged like milk. But before we do that, Marsha, if people want to connect with you on Twitter, the place that you love, the place that you have found your family, what is your handle? You know my handle. Sorry about this, but I got to check. I don't know offhand. Is Ms. Marsha? At M-I-Z-Z, Ms. Ms. Marsha, M-A-R-S-H-A-S, as in Sam. Nice. You go find her there. Yeah, okay, her guys, up. we have to decide if this movie has stayed fresh or if it has aged like milk. David, kick us off. All right. I am going to say this movie aged like strawberry milk. Okay? So, basically... Hang with me for a second. You know, it's it's bright. It's vibrant. feels good. It's actually milk with some vitamins now because you put the strawberries in it, right? And probably a little bit of fiber. So, you know, it it, it makes you feel good inside when you drink it. Maybe even a, maybe even a shake, right? Freeze it up mm. a little bit. Mix it up with some strawberries. I thought this movie was a feel-good movie. It was a great adventure story with three human beings just having a positive mindset overall and going through life and not 
letting anybody push them down basically. And I feel like everybody follows these four rules and you do nothing else in life. You're probably going to have a better mindset and you're going to experience life a little bit easier. So I like this movie. Glad I watched it. So, and Marcia, thank you for bringing it to, to our yes. attention. And I thought this movie aged well. I love it. Marsha, what do you think? Well, of course, picked it. I love it. I love everything <laughs> about it. And just as a, as a writer, too, I think we overlook some of the, the lighthearted dramas, just the fun movies, and don't realize how much incredible we didn't get into it. You know, the storytelling, the, you know, everything from the costumes and the, the makeup and the, and the shots, just um, so there's a lot for, I think, even for screenwriters to learn how to move the story forward and keep it going. Every little segment was so interesting, you know, um, and then the acting. So, um, no, I loved it. I think it's it's still, you know, like every movie, it's going to have it, its uh, little political, you know, challenges, you know, over time. But overall, I think it's still done well so still fresh i think it's a trifecta then because i thought this movie was a very sweet you know cup of milk that you can get in a nightclub in new york or maybe <laughs> you know at a at a garden party in la while you're watching miss drag queen usa i think it's refreshing it probably has a little ice in it you know it's refreshing i think you know we touched on some things where you're like should i be drinking milk at uh when it's 150 degrees outside maybe i shouldn't because that's weird you know, there's some questionable things, some language used, but I will say as a whole, when I look at it, this film came together really well. Amazing performances. What a great story. I am so happy you introduced it to me. I am going to tell everybody about this film. It's going to have a total <laughs> resurgence because of me and David. But yeah, so I'm so glad that you brought it to us, Marsha. And I'm so glad that you could join us on the podcast. Thank well, you thank so much you. for coming. Oh, thank, thank you for the invitation and, and accepting the, the choice. So I love to thank you. Thank you both. Enjoyed being here. It was fun. Well, David William Rogers, you should go ahead and check your fridge. And make sure that milk ain't spoiled. Gross milk is gross. That's our show, and you should go check out this film if you haven't seen it. It's on Amazon in the U.S. I think it's $3.99, and, uh, or maybe you have a copy lying Apple around. Apple Plus, too, I to think, it. potentially. Yeah. All right, guys, that's it. Thanks, Marsha. Go follow her. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. See ya.